He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said it. I believe it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we get ready for the word this morning. Let's sing that song, Only Believe All Things Are Possible. we are believers today that's what we do we believe Lord we are looking to you you're the author the finisher of our faith the one we have confidence in with all our hearts we want to thank you for your goodness and your grace upon our lives and your blessings to us as your children we want to thank you that no good thing will you withhold from them that walk uprightly and we realize that our righteousness is of you, so that's how we can walk uprightly. So, Father, today we place ourselves in the position of your promise and claim our divine inheritance, what belongs to us. Lord, there are many, many needs, Lord. I pray especially for little Sister Lisa, a prodigal, trying to find her way back home, that Lord, she's had a really troubled life, and she's reached out to you, Lord, by reaching out to us. And I pray, God, that she'll come to know you. Lord, she's wandered a long way from God. Bring her back home. Lord, I, I pray in the name of Jesus, I know you'll welcome as a father, the prodigal. Your arms are well open and wide open. You'll bring... A, to rest any repentant heart. I pray, Lord, for our friends and brothers down in Kenya, Uganda, South Africa, where COVID and new variants are raging, where they are desiring to meet together. And they said, we'd just like to have communion together. Lord, it's a difficult time, but I pray, God, that you'll just move on the scene for your children around the world, wherever they are. God, I pray, pray you'll bring healing and deliverance as we speak today. May the word go forth, Lord, break down barriers. Lord, and open up our understanding where we can see the hope of our calling. 
Lord, where we can take our position of sonship and claim from God our divine inheritance. We ask in the name of Jesus that you'll bless us together again in your presence now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? It really is. Amen. I need the trustees to come back um, real quick. This is the um, first Sunday of the month, and I told you that we would be taking up another offering for those that would like, uh, who are going on their trip to, um, to be in the special youth meetings. So we're paying for a bus uh, to, to, uh, for the young people to be able to go. And so I think we're, we're about uh, two or $3,000 short on that. So, you know, I know the Lord will provide for it. So as they're ready to come for the offering, let's sing the song. It's Jesus on the inside. Now, don't worry about it. We get a little leftover and we got a little extra. I'm not going to put it in my pocket. No, but we'll put it toward the expenses for the young people. So God bless you now. Amen. Well, it's Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change is in my life. It's Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. It's Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. to be together today. I'm going to let you have your seats just for a moment. I want to speak to you, and then we'll read the Word of God. So, um, you know, we got a lot of things today that's on our hearts, and, um, uh, you know, I just wanted to just um, mention again what we heard, thank you, um, the other night uh, where Brother Timothy was sharing about his meeting that he had over at Brother Ron Spencer's and how the phenomena was done. And, um, you know, Brother Michael Dexter was also there, and they'd asked him to come and sing a song, and he was talking about the great physician now is near the sympathizing Jesus and how when a little baby was, a young boy that was all twisted up, was uh, being held in Brother Branham's arms as a little dunkard or Mennonite girl, some type of I'm not really sure what, what they were from. He says different ones. But anyway, you know, she, she was there playing the piano. And uh, 
the, the great physician now is near the sympathizing Jesus, and Brother Michael was telling about this and, and, uh, and preface before he sang, and he really just caught his musicians off guard because they thought he was going to sing that, and instead he sang, when Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, amen, our fears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and he fills the heart with gladness. And all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Amen. And so that was uh, kind of the preface to that. And then Brother Timothy preached on the God that answers. And he, and he stepped out on a little platform. It's kind of out front, maybe about three or four or five feet out. You can walk out on it just a couple of steps down. It would be like a circle like this in front of Brother Ron's pulpit there, but just a little lower platform where they can walk out. And he stepped out and was, was preaching there and leaving his iPad with his notes on the pulpit. And he doesn't wear an eye watch, you know, so uh, that couldn't have been it. But as he said, as he was preaching, he has come down. You know, like the, for the three Hebrew children and stepped into the fire and he's, he has come down for us. And, and he talked about, you know, how that, you know, in that moment he just called for the east winds, the north winds, south. And, and, and there was there in a moment said, this is a job for me. And at that moment, his iPad began to switch off from his notes and, and change over, select a sermon of Brother Branham's and begin to play. And Brother Branham's voice began to say, you know, my favorite hymn is down from his glory because he's come down to show he's not just a prophet or a junior God, but he's the almighty God. But he has come down among us. And um, so, you know, it just went together. When Jesus comes, the tempter power is broken, and, and then he has come down. Brother Ron, sitting on the platform, he said he watched the whole thing. It was just like, you know, someone was pushing buttons on there and making it happen. And, you know, it, and so it was prefaced actually by Brother Michael mentioning the angel of God continuing to play the piano when that little baby dropped out of Brother Branham's arms and uh, began to run across the platform, and that little sister seeing that jumped up and began to worship God and, and speaking in another language, and, 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 and there uh, dancing and, and rejoicing over this great victory, and the piano never missed a beat and continued right on. And so, you know, we, we saw the phenomena being done, that God is among us. Amen. And so, I just wanted to to remind you that because we still need a miracle for Sister Karen. They uh, had been planning to move her to a rehab on Tuesday, but we're still facing obstacles. Uh, today, we, we needed a new um, CAT scan done, and um, so they're checking some, some issues that have come up, and so we really need your prayers about that as, as we stand here today. But, um, you know, as, as I went in last night to see her, I, I reminded myself we walk by faith and not by sight. So, I'm not looking at what I see. I am looking at what he says. And so, you know, um, we demonstrated Sunday with Brother Timothy Hall, you know, about as he had a yellow shirt on and I called it black. 
And when I asked Brother L there, you know, well, you know, Brother L, what, do you, what color is that shirt? And he said, well, I'll just go with you, what you say. And, uh, you know, he did this because he has confidence and he believes in my knowledge, my position, the authority that I carry as a pastor. And if I said that shirt was black when it was yellow and he could see it was obviously yellow, he was going to say whatever I said. You know, but in doing so, he would have to deny what his sense of faith said. All right? Now, this is a way we often do. Our faith says the Word of God is true. Our faith says we are healed by His stripes. Our faith um, makes a claim on the promise, but then a person with knowledge or position or authority tells us something different from what our faith says. And then we just surrender up our faith to the knowledge of man and deny what this sense of faith says. Now, faith is looking at something different than what is obvious to the eye. Faith is looking into the unseen and to a divine promise and what Jesus did at Calvary. And um, I just want to say we have been buffeted by a messenger from Satan, and it's been blow after blow after blow now. And uh, God has brought us through each time, and he'll bring us through again. I wear on my right hand right here on my middle finger, you know, um, because it fits that finger. That's the reason I wear it there. I have my wedding band over here and an anniversary ring my wife gave me when this one wore thin and broke, and she bought me another one, and it didn't fit, so I put it on this, put it there on my hand, wore that for a while. It wasn't comfortable, so I put it away, and, and um, you know, um, just uh, for a long time, uh, uh, you know, just I actually took this, this, my original band and had them, a jeweler fix it and put it back on, and it just sat in the, a drawer for a long, long time. When we went to the meetings, many of you know, for the last, I'm going to say, eight years, we have dealt with uh, menopause and, and the hormonal changes and uh, a lot of, a lot of um, different things that has been really, really trying and very difficult. And then the major brain bleed that happened in 2015. And then we had, uh, last year, we, we had a, another brain bleed and uh, actually two. One was very major where it required surgery. So we have been buffeted by, you know, over and again. But anyway, when I went to Germany after the uh, first brain bleed, and I was preaching over there, and, uh, you know, Sister Karen was very, very upset because of, um, and nervous because there was some confrontations that was going on in the meetings and uh, where I was dealing with some of the brothers about some of the issues uh, that their false doctrines has caused, and there had been some altercations that was being said in the, in the pulpit there by some others, and so I was meeting that head on. I was out to 2 o'clock in the morning, and my wife was really upset about it, and she had been going through, even though she'd been healed of the brain bleed and had recovered from that, she was just still going through these really mood swings of this uh, hormone situation, and we had to take her to a doctor and finally, you know, give her some hormonal treatments that was a natural thing of, of a, a, a naturopath, 
anyway, but we, we had all that going on, and, and it was better, but it wasn't, it wasn't fixed, and you, we were really dealing with it over and again. And I found her at 2 o'clock in the morning walking up and down in our room and just crying and fretting and saying, you know, I, I was worried about you. And, you know, I know, I know I've heard stories and things that have happened. And, and, and I said, why? Well, you know, I can hold my own. I said, I, I've never had problems holding my own. So, you know, so I, they didn't have to, you didn't have to worry about them. You need to be worried about them. You know, didn't have to be worried about me, be worried about them. I said, but, you know, let's just go to bed and let's go. And, you know, we was really dealing with that. And, and Brother Ron didn't come to the meeting till late. His father-in-law was um, in a very difficult condition. He would later die um, some months later. But he kind of had to be delayed coming to the meeting and he spoke. And um, so we didn't have a real time to speak together a lot. And he knew nothing about what had happened during the night. And uh, as he was preaching, he said, you know, um, God is going to, he told about Sister Karen's healing of the brain bleed, and he said, God's going to finish what he started. And uh, he walks down, and he pulls her out of the audience, and he said, God saw you in the night, wringing your hands and fretting and crying and walking up and down the room. God saw you. But he's going to heal you. We never had to take another treatment. We never had another mood swing. Every situation was vanished, was gone in an instant. Well, I walked home. I come home, rather. We flew home. And I walked into my house. And as I went in, I happened to pass by uh, and was looking for something and saw my ring laying there. And I looked at that ring and I... Tried it on this finger, it didn't fit, and I tried it on that one, and it fit, and I said, well, this was before menopause, and this is after menopause. <laughs> and I've been wearing it as a token of, my, of her healing and her deliverance. Well, just a few days ago, last week or so, a messenger of Satan uh, emailed me, accused me of being a witch because I wore it on a finger and, you know, and said, I, you know, next thing I'd be wearing earrings even though I've never been effeminate. My goodness. You know, um, and, um, and then, you know, blasted me like that. And so I said, well, maybe I'm stumbling people and I put it back in the drawer. And, you know, this has happened and today I put it back on and I said, I'll wear my testimony. I don't care what they say. But after he compared me with, you know, like smoking cigarettes or, you know, being like a witch or whatever else, I said, well, I'll put it away for a while, but you promised me you'll get rid of your broom and your cat. <laughs> now, we have been buffeted by, me, by messenger Satan. Don't think this is... On, this is something unusual. Don't think so. Jesus was a man of sorrow acquainted with grief. Amen? 
So he, he, was, he, he knew what it was to have a lot of trouble that come his way. The Bible said we even hid our faces from him. When he needed a friend, he didn't have one. But thank God I, I've got so many friends out here. Amen. And God bless you. I, you know, brother and sister Stanky brought me a big uh, bunch of blueberries for in your, your little red containers right out here by the door. And don't forget it today. And many of you have brought food and helped us. And brother Wendell was here. And my goodness, we never ate so good in our lives. And, and um, so, you know, we, we just had a you know, great time with them. They came and really was a blessing, was a messenger from God. So, you know, but God has brought us through each time, and he'll bring us through again. Now, I'll just say this. If this is the, the time of the end of her journey upon earth, she cannot die. She can only change dimensions. I watched her die, you know, some 45 years ago at an altar and raise up again to be known as a child of the Most High God. And uh, today she lies in the hospital where in the natural eye it looks very dark. She has a bleed on the, a bleed on the right side of her brain. Um, it affects her cognitive skills. It may be affecting her limbs on the left side. But today we turn our eyes from, from all of that and we look back to Calvary where he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. Now, on, on Friday, Brother Timothy and I visited her in the ICU, and she had not spoken then for 18 hours, would not eat or drink or take oral medication. And I was very concerned, and so we went up and prayed for her. And as I went to her bedside, she, you know, called my name and told me she loved me. And then after prayer, Brother Timothy began to speak to her and said, Mom, God has come down. And as that moment, without prompting, she began to sing softly down from his glory. My God and my Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Twice we've heard that sing today. And she began to weep as she began to sing, oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine. So today, we look away from these troubles, and we look away to Jesus. You know, Brother Branham preached on Job so much that when he was going through the trial of, I guess, losing his wife and daughter and all that other things, preached on Job so much that somebody asked him one time, said, when are you going to get Job off the ash heap? And if this seems redundant, well, I just want to say I'm in battle, but I'm going to tell you where I'm fighting from. So I want you to turn with me to Revelation 12, verse 7. We'll stand in honor to the Word, and we'll look now to the promise of God. Revelation 12, 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. And neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser 
of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and ye that dwell in them, and woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth he hath but a short time. When we remind the devil, he only has a short time. Amen. There is a limit to him, but there's not a limit on us. God bless you. Can be seated. I'm going to be speaking on today fighting while seated or yet seated, fighting yet seated. Now, when man sinned and fell from his rightful position as ruler of the earth, he lost his throne and his dominion. And Satan took that dominion, becoming the prince of the power of the air or atmospheres. Heaven became obscured by his darkness. Satan became the ruler as the prince of this world and took lordship over man. And every man that is born of sexual birth would be born dead. And dead to God, that is, but alive to sin. And the new birth, of course, is the reversal of that. It makes us dead to sin and alive to God and gives Christ the lordship over our lives where Satan is no longer ruler. Now, uh, Satan is called in scriptures like uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this evil age. In John 14, 30, he speaks of Satan as the prince of this world. And then he declares that he has no claim or no part in me. Now, so through the fall, this earth was given to the devil. In Luke chapter 4, verse 6, um, that he said, Satan said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their, and their glory, and it's been delivered to me, and I, I will give it to whomsoever I will. So you can see that Satan knows that um, it has been delivered to him all this power over all the earth. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. This is Luke 4, 4 and Matthew 4, 4. You'll find where Jesus is opposed by Satan. And, and in this moment of time, the devil said, this power is mine. This authority was given to me. And he said, I'll give it to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. And, um, and so he, he is a prince. And although he's an evil prince, but I declare he is not the king. Amen. And he's certainly not my king. But there is but one king, and that is Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.15, he is the blessed and only potentate or sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords. Now, every kingdom of this world, of course, is governed by the devil. The earth, uh, this earth um, uh, belongs to the devil. Now, not legally, but as a squatter, he claims what Adam surrendered to him. Now, God didn't give him the earth. God didn't give him the power of the earth. Man did that by his fall. He surrendered himself to come under the rulership, gave Satan lordship over his life. 
So he surrendered to him, and uh, Adam surrendered it to him, and he retains now the control over the earth, even somewhat our bodies, because our bodies are of this earth. Uh, and he retains it by contesting our rights to possession by his accusation of our sins. He is called the accuser of the brethren. Now, this is the reason we have wars and shootings and fightings and trouble is because the kingdoms of this world is the kingdoms of the devil. Now, it won't always be that way because in the millennium, there's a scripture that's prophesied of it. Rejoice, O ye heavens, and you holy prophets of the earth, for the kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of our Lord, and he shall rule forever and ever. So you see, it is promised then that we will have no more war when Jesus comes. There'll be no more sickness. There's no trouble. But right now, we are in corruptible bodies. So we are subject to all kinds of things. Remember, Jesus was acquainted with grief. Amen. He knew what it was to suffer pain, sorrow, sickness, everything that we go through. Amen. It all happens to him when he was mortal. Somebody with me? But Jesus declared when he is lifted up on the cross that it would initiate the casting down of Satan as the prince of this world. And it would, and at the same time, it would exalt, exalt uh, men to the throne of sonship. Now, the end results of what happened at Calvary will produce the ultimate victory of what we have read about today, where that Satan is cast down, the accuser of the brethren. Now, as Jesus approached the cross, he declared victory. He looked right in the face of death, and he didn't look at as defeat, but as he went, he looked at it and he said, now will the prince of this world be cast out. And, it, and of course, it would be done by the, for the redemption of our sins through his death on the cross. He said, if I be lifted up, he said, then Satan will be cast down. Now, again, this was signifying of his death on the cross where he would be lifted up on our behalf. Now, notice as we look at this, then we know that as he died on the cross, paying redemption sins, after he resurrects, then his next work is his ascension. Now, this is very important that we get to this. Not only does God come down as a man, but this man now must also meet death and defeat it, meet hell and defeat it, but he also must make a way back into heaven for man again. Are you with me? Amen. Because since the day in the Garden of Eden that sin was committed, all heavens were shut off from mankind. Satan became the prince of the power of the atmospheres. Heaven became obscure and clouded over by darkness. And that darkness then began to fill the atmosphere between God and man. And, and we became, you know, only held by sense-bound knowledge. 
and, and, and uh, that's how that we operate upon the earth. And we lost that realm of being able to see clearly through the realm or the, the sense of faith. Now, no man could see up in the glory. No man could understand because it was just the power above us. And heaven means the atmosphere is above. And these powers were shut off from mankind because of sin. And when heaven was shut off, the, the man, man lost his position of authority that when man could no longer stand in God's presence because of his sins. And then God came down as a man a man, true man, as a man, in order to make a way back for man to rule again as sons of God. Amen. Now, Jesus died, buried, and went to hell for us. We have mentioned this before. He was our scapegoat. Amen. He was the one upon whom our sins and sickness, the results of our sins, was laid upon him. In 1 Peter 2.24, he says, For whom his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Amen. So he was sent to hell in our place. Amen. Like the young goat kid let out and the sins of the nation placed upon him and then abandoned in the wilderness, left alone to be torn, chased by every demon, sickness, and disease. This is Jesus. As he descends into, you know, there and he meets, meets death at Calvary and on down into hell, the, the scapegoat torn by the beast. Let me just tell you, Jesus was our scapegoat. Every cancer, diabetes, tuberculosis, asthma, heart disease, high blood pressure, brain bleeds, strokes, affliction, cripple, amen, blind, deaf, dumb, Lyme's disease, every beast of every kind bit at him and tore at his flesh, and he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities so that by these stripes we could be healed. And let me tell you what. He was healed of all of them that day he rose again. Without a shred of it. He was, he was there on that Sunday morning after his time of trial was over there. He became the mighty conqueror. He not only raised himself up, but he raised up all the sleeping dead of the Old Testament saints, and they appeared to many. He proved he was alive and triumphant over death. Amen. He showed the infallible proofs of his resurrection. He appeared to his disciples. He could show his scars uh, to, to Thomas and, and, and said, you know, you know, put your hand in my side. Look here at my hands. You know, I, I'm not a ghost. I can eat fish and honeycomb. He can speak 153 fish into existence and plus have bread and fish on the fire waiting by creation. Are you with me? He could break bread with Cleopas and his friends at Emmaus, the same Jesus. Let me tell you, the same Jesus, alive from the dead. But now he's got to do something more than that. 
here comes the greatest of all days when he ascends. Amen. When he said, as he said, I am the way, and I go to prepare a place for you. And so he said, he said, see, heaven had been blocked off to man by the prince of the power of the air, the one who controls atmosphere, and Jesus must make a way, amen, for the rest of us to follow. Remember, he was the Logos that went out of God in the beginning. He came down on the earth not to be made an angel. He came down on the earth and took the form of a bondsman, a servant, not an angel. He came down from the great glory, Jehovah glory, but he come down as a man to redeem man. Hallelujah. That's why, you know, this is so pertinent, down from his glory. Every living story, my God, my Savior came. The great I am became my Savior. And all God's fullness dwells in him. The sin of man came upon him to pay the penalty of sin. What did, he, what did he do? The Bible said he was made a little lower than the angels in order for death that he might abolish sin and take away sickness from the world. He came from the highest, from the logos of God. He came down to angels, condescending, coming down, was made a man until he could say, I was not even a man, I'm a worm and no man, because I'm despised and rejected, the lowest of the lowest. He became the lowest of the lowest, so he could come down on your level to cause you to come up and to sonship, amen, to a place of dominion and power and authority. Are you with me now? Now, never a man died like him. Never a man could die like him. Never could a man ascend on high like him because he was God. He made himself of no reputation. You know, the man that made the artificial eye made himself a reputation. The man who made false teeth made himself a re reputation. The man who made a wooden arm made a reputation for himself. The man who made the original eye, are you with me? The original arm made us have no reputation, but became a servant, a bondsman, unto man who were sinners that he might win them back. Oh, what manner of love hath the Father for Adam's fallen race that he would come down and descend and become one of us. And to do so, now in his ascension, he would break through every veil. Brother Branham says in the Hebrew series, he said the Bible said he ascended on high and gave gifts to man. There was an atmosphere hung over the earth of darkness, of gloom, of death, and weary, and the, the, uh, that's worry, and the, the prayers couldn't come up because the atonement wasn't made. But he broke through that veil, and he opened up the way, and he broke the veil of sickness. He broke the veil of sin. He broke the veil of worry. He broke the veil of depressed. He broke every veil, and then he made a highway for the wayfaring man walking up the king's highway. Hallelujah. He did it so we can rise up into heavenly realms. He made us alive in Christ so he can raise us up to make us sit with him. Amen. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation. 
He condescended, in other words, took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of man. And being found as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also, also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of heaven, of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things on the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I say, what a promise that is and what a word that is. That every devil, every cancer, every affliction, every disease, every demon has to bow to the name of Jesus. Amen. Get ready to get on your knees, devil. Because you'll have to bow to the name of my Lord. Amen. He's no little Lord. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. You may be prince of this world, but you're not king over my Lord, and neither are you my king. For at that name, at the mention of that name, they bow, they fall. Every demon has to bow to that name. Every affliction, every sickness. Let's go to Ephesians 1.20. He speaks of the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and, what? Seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now, Let's look at this. He sat him. Look, when he ascended, he ascended to a place far above principalities, far above power, might, dominion, ever name that is named. This is where Jesus sits as a, as a place of preeminent authority. Are you with me now? Now, far above. Everything else, any name that is named. Now, we know that spiritual things are just as real as physical things. We know that spiritual things are superior to, to, um, to physical things because God is a spirit, and, and, and as a spirit, he created the physical things. So the physical things are a creation of the spiritual things. So it's, it's lesser, isn't it? Amen. So then the spiritual things are superior to physical. We know that, are you ready? That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We know that greater is the one that is in us. Amen. Is the master, this great one in us, he is a master of sickness. He is the master of diseases. He is the master of weaknesses. He is the master over sins. Know your sin beyond scarlet. Can I tell the prodigal this morning? Know your sin be like prodigal. As a prodigal and like scarlet, you shall be made white as snow. Though they be red like crimson. They'll be made white as wool. As far as the east is from the west, I'll remove your sins from you. 
Why? Jesus is greater than that sin. He's greater. You mentioned a name. He's great. His name is greater. Oh, but you say, but that was just for Jesus, right? That dominion you talk about is just for dominion. Well, let's look at verse 22. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. Notice this. He put all under his feet. Verse 2, he, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, And to you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which will now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he had for us, even when we were dead in trespasses, hath made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit. Where? In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So now he made a way, not just for him to be throned, but for us to be enthroned with him. Are you with me? Now, as believers, we are in the same seat of authority that Jesus occupies. We are with Christ. We are also in Christ. And this is a place, I want to just declare it, it is above every demon, every fallen angel, every evil spirit, even Lucifer himself. Amen. Just as Adam was given dominion over every living creature in Eden, God has chosen us to give us his beloved children in this new creation. How many believe we have a new creation? Amen. He has given us a level of authority in the spirit realm. Let me say it again. Just as Adam had control over nature. Come on. God has given you control in the spirit realm. Amen. And that, that authority is above every created being. Hallelujah. Now, Brother Branham tells us the greatest authority. He said, which is the greatest authority, an angel from heaven or angel in the pulpit? Which is it? He said, it's the angel or the messenger in the pulpit. Paul said, if an angel from heaven comes to preach any other gospel to you than this which I've already preached, let him be accursed. So the angel anointed with the Holy Spirit, with the word stands next to God in the heaven, his authority. All powers in heaven and earth is given to my hand. Go and I'll go with you. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. What you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. Oh, if the great holy church only realized this power to do these things. But when there's so much doubt and fear and trembling, wondering, well, could it happen? As long as that exists, the church can never stand upright. And whenever talk of fear is vanished, are you with me? And the Holy Spirit is in complete control in the church, then all fears are gone. And the church has the 
power. See, why? They have everything heaven owns behind them. They are ambassadors of the throne. Absolutely, an ambassador of Christ has the authority, and everything that Christ owns belongs to that ambassador. And he said, go ye into all world, and you be a witness uh, after the Holy Ghost has come on you. And what is a witness? Is an ambassador to come and witness something. The whole powers of heaven is right in your hands. He said, oh, why do we sit? And the church is barren, and we sit dormant because we don't recognize these things. Hallelujah. We are positioned with him as sons of God without blemish, with power and authority. Name the name. Hallelujah. For you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, and he hath raised you up together with him. Hallelujah, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He puts you back in a position in heaven as a of sonship with power and authority over every devil. Now, this is why he said, in my name, you're going to cast out devils. Amen. You're going, to, you're going to do it because of what my name represents what I did at Calvary. So you are going to do what? You're going to cast Satan out. Yes. Now, Paul is showing us in these scriptures that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's far above every evil spirit or demon or fallen angel or any other evil spiritual being that exists. And remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and heavenly places, right? Amen. But he's showing us we're already above it. If we are in a kingdom being seated, listen to me, being seated at the right hand of the king is the highest position that is available. And this is where God has exalted his bride, his church, his wife to, is to a place beside him. Come on, read the Laodicean age and who gets to sit with him on the throne? And I don't believe that just over there in the glory land. I believe that's right now. He has made us kings and priests. Now, Sure, it'll be in the glory land, but it is even right now. Sure, it'll be in the millennium, but we right now have dominion. Over what? Over every unclean spirit. Over every lie of the devil. Amen. And since this kingdom of God is the greatest kingdom, how many believes it's the greatest kingdom? How many believes it's greater than all kingdoms? Satan says, I'm my kingdom I'll give to you. Do you believe it's greater than Satan's kingdom? Amen. The kingdom of God then is the greatest kingdom. And since there is no authority in existence that is higher than God, then we know that being seated at his right hand is to be in a place of unmatched authority. Amen. His place of authority is shown as a man at the Father's right hand. Jesus has absolute, unconditional authority over all demons. Hallelujah. Over all the sickness, all the problems that they can create. Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father now, now would you get this, is a picture of rest. Now, how different 
this is from the Old Testament. You know, Jesus is the priest of the New Testament. He's the high priest. And he does it from a sitting down position of a seat, a throne. But on the old covenant, the priests were constantly working to cover sins, trying to make things happen, laboring, bringing sacrifice after sacrifice, and hewing the woods and bringing the water and all the other things necessary for the sacrifice. In the Old Testament, the priests had to go in the temple, you know, and make these sacrifices because that's the way they received forgiveness. And it was all based off of works. Amen. Think of the tabernacle. There's no chairs in the tabernacle. There's no reason for seats. The priests couldn't sit down. No, their work was never done. They offered sacrifices for sins continually. They lived under constant pressure. For their work was never done. Oh, we need some more wood now. I'm bringing some more water, and here's another lamb, and here's a. Amen. And, and, you know, they had to do this continually over and over and over and over again. Works, 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 works. Amen. Every day another sacrifice, and then another sacrifice is required. But when Jesus offered himself, as the Lamb of God on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he abolished the old way of having to constantly work for God's goodness. <laughs> he sat down on the right hand of the Father. Him sitting there is a picture of rest. Under the old covenant, they're still working, working, working. Under the new covenant, Jesus is sitting and resting. I'm preaching. I'm preaching on, get my title again. They done lost it. I'm preaching on fighting, yet seated. And bear this in mind. Jesus is sitting contrary to the Old Testament. Work, work, work. He is sitting and resting. Now, Paul said, we are seated in heavenly places. That means we got a place of rest too. Amen. You don't have to go through life all worried, upset, tore up on the inside when you live seated. Amen. No, you're resting. You don't have to go through life frustrated because you know, you're trying to dot every I right and cross every T. No, no, you're, you're sitting. You're sitting in heavenly places. You may have problems. Maybe you're struggling with uh, illness, uh, perhaps. Uh, you know, the medical reports don't look good. And you can stay worried, but just instead you stay seated. I hope you're getting the picture. You can go around worried and upset, but instead, you know God's got you in the palm of his hands. You know the number of your days he will fulfill, that there's nothing the devil can do to take you away until God decrees your time is up on the earth. Amen. Amen. David said, although I'm surrounded by trouble, my heart will know no fear because the Lord will bring me safely through. The, the psalmist said it's a rapture scripture. It's those who are going to rapture. This is their scripture, Psalms 27 and 1. The Lord is my light, and he is my salvation. 
Brother Jim, you said, well, it's a time of, you know, it's been, things are kind of dark. The Lord is my light, though, and he is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies, my foes came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. I didn't fall. They fell. Amen. Though an army, a host, should encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Amen. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I've desired from the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. Amen. And he shall set me upon a rock. How many times did God's prophet tell us, let off the pressure? I think we need to just take a deep breath right now. And just, whew. I'm safe. I'm sheltered. I'm in this pavilion. I can rest. I can sit here. Perhaps I have a right to be worried and upset. But I've come to realize, that's why I'm in the pulpit this morning. But I've come to realize the battle isn't mine. Amen. The battle is the Lord's. So I'm going to rule from a position right beside him. Can I tell you where I'm at? I'm resting and knowing he's in control. He's got this. But you see, when you take over letting your worries dictate your feelings, you are no longer allowing God to work anymore. I want to remind you this battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Now, yes, Timothy said in 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. He said, but Brother Tim, you got to fight. You've been preaching. you got to fight. But do it from a position of rest, sitting down with him, and then don't let no, nothing move you from that position. Now, when you stand up, you see you're try, trying to take over, God just steps back. As long as you fight, he's going to rest. But when you step back and sit down, you see what's happening. In the heavens, Michael and his angels are going to fight for you. But when you get in there and try to take over the battle and frustrated and worried and trying to fix everything, God can't work. But when you sit there on your throne and let the angels, the servants that you command, come on now, that you command, they're at your command. Amen. Jesus said, I could call a legions of legions of angels, 12 legions of angels. What is that? About 182,000 angels. When one angel could kill 200,000 with one blow. Come on now. Did it in the days of Hezekiah. Right? Amen. But don't let nothing move you from your position. As long as you're fighting, God, God just stand back. But when you step back and you sit down, and you sat down on your throne, angels go to working for you. Amen. When you rest, God works. That's why he told the Israelites, be still, and you'll see the deliverance of the Lord. 
Remember that? Exodus 14, the Lord shall fight for you, and you will hold your peace. Amen. Amen. Now, there's your battle is holding your peace. Come on now. Amen. Because that's where the devil wants to trick you into trying to take it over and trying to make things happen and try to make this work. And you get frustrated and worried and, oh, you're impatient. And, you, you know, sit us back. Rest. God's got this. He's able. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above what you're able to think. And you're trying to figure it out, and he's got it figured out. Don't get, don't get, don't get in the way. The Lord will fight for you. You'll hold your peace. I've got this. I'm bigger than this. This battle is mine. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to know he's bigger than any problem you got? He's bigger than your cancer. He's bigger than your afflictions. He's bigger than a brain bleed. He's bigger than confusion, dementia, whatever it might be. You name a name. He's bigger than it. Amen. God said, this battle is mine. Now, that don't mean we don't do anything, that we just sit back and we're passive all the time. We should go to work. We have to pray. We have to believe. But we do it from a place of rest. You see, not agitated, not impatient, not upset, not, you know, I can't, you know, sometimes catch myself wanting to cry, and I was like, no, you're not crying because that weak is faith. Amen. Amen. You're going to stand right there. You work hard. You can work hard with the rest on the inside, knowing you're doing your best, and God will get you to where you're supposed to be. Not working frustrated and agitated and struggling and wondering, well, why haven't I been healed? And, you know, how come I'm not blessed? You know, I see so-and-so blessed and why ain't I blessed? And how come we waited so long? No, you work from a place of rest knowing that God's favor is on your life. His goodness and mercy is really chasing you down. I love that. Many years ago when I read that where he leads us beside still waters and he restores our soul. And, you know, it's speaking of rest. And look, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Thou art with me. I'm covered by thy rod and thy staff. And, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. That means to chase after, to overtake me all the days of my life. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, you can sit back resting this morning. You got kids that are all rest knowing goodness and mercy's on their trail. Like this little prodigal girl calling me or writing me and saying, you know, Brother Tim, I've been listening to your services, and I begin to, begin to get a desire again for God. I'll just tell you, little sister Lisa, hang on to that promise. Amen. Goodness and mercy's on your trail. It'll overtake you. It's going to get you. It'll bring you like a sheep back to the fold. God's a shepherd. I'll not lose one of them. You know, sometimes we don't sleep good. Everybody says, well, you need your rest. You need your rest. You need your rest. Inner rest Inner rest is even more important than outer rest. 
if your mind never rests, if you're constantly worried and burdened, it's going to wear you out. You can't always be in fight mode. It'll drain your joy. It'll drain your energy. It'll just whip you. It's awful to say, but I know some Christians who live defeated lives. It's awful. Always gloomy. You almost hate to talk to them sometimes. They're always negative, moaning, crying, upset. I'm trying, Brother Tim, but it's just not working out. You know, let me just say, I want you to understand you have been born in the new covenant. Don't try living under the old covenant of works. You know, you're thinking if I can work harder, if I can just try a little harder, if I can just change the situation, you know, I want to say your heart is right, your approach is wrong. You know, why not just approach it from a place of rest? Just say, Lord, I can't change this on my own. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Amen. In your time, you'll resolve this situation in my life. I don't know how, but, but instead of doing, 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 Come to the place where you say, it's done, it's done, it's done. It's finished. It's finished. Hallelujah. Look at your battle and say, it's finished. Why? Because we can read the book and he prevailed not. We got the finishing word. Hallelujah. Look to the finish. Well, I lost this war, and, you know, I lost this battle. You're not losing the war. Get back. Amen. Get into a place of rest. Be confident, knowing that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God has already defeated every enemy, every sickness. I want to say it again. He's defeated every enemy, every sickness. He has planned your days. Amen. I want you just to realize you just need to sit down with him. Live from a place of peace and rest. You wouldn't create it to carry heavy burdens. Weighted down with worry and stress. And you know how many people were in Brother Branham's prayer lines. You cross bridges before you come to them. And you're, you know, this, is, this nervousness has caused this sickness and it's caused a peptic ulcer. And then this, and this worry is brought up on this and that. And you see... This is why many have health problems of high blood pressure and stomach problems. They haven't learned to rest. They're always fighting on the inside, worried about your children. Well, the Bible said, come on, just take a promise. Take what the Bible said. You shall be there and your offspring's with you. Amen. Come on now. Take another promise. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thy, and thy house shall be saved. Yeah. Amen. I don't know how. I don't see. I don't see any results, Brother Tim. I, just rest. Quit trying to figure out how it's going to happen. Yeah. Amen. God's got this. Now, Brother Branham said, told the story. He said, you know, we get up grouchy and fussy and, you know, well, I, my problems is I'm, just half asleep. Well, you must have been half asleep when you went to bed because you was grouchy and fussy then. No wonder we got high blood pressure and diabetes and everything else, he says. 
Look at a little robin. He'll raise of a morning. First thing, he throws his little face toward heaven, goes to singing at the top of his voice. You'll never see any of them with high blood pressure, walking on crutches, and with diabetes. I said a little robin sometime, one time, said, wonder what's the matter, these people, these creatures that call themselves human beings. Why, they, they're so sad. Maybe they hadn't got a heavenly father like we have that takes care of us. Now, the Scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. This lets us know if we're not still, you really don't won't know he's God. You see, it's easy to let your mind wonder about what if. Don't think, I, don't think Satan hadn't whispered in my ear. What if? You know, what, what, what if? What if my wife don't get well? What, what if? We face with things worse than that. What if my health don't return? You know, what if the report isn't good? Oh, what if my finances goes bad? And what if, just remember, when you're working, God can't work. If you'll just take your position, be seated with him, he'll start working. You know, he's already got the solution. Brother Wendell Martin preached in the scripture that I just read of David in my own private devotions at, at Ziglag. And I believe it was God just confirming to me, you know, how David encouraged himself in the Lord. And the Lord is God. And he said, you know, and he asked of the Lord, what shall I do? And he said, pursue and you will recover all. And David recovered his wife. He recovered everything he lost. He recovered the spoils beside, enough to share with those who grew faint and were unable to fight. And it dropped out along the journey. He had enough brought back to share with everybody. And I believe that we can have miracles that can happen. Come on. What God restores all. And even those who are faint and didn't have enough faith for a miracle and churches who didn't have enough faith for a miracle can take heart and believe. We'll get enough to share with the whole bride. Hallelujah. We've shared about Atlanta. We've shared about Sister Karen. We've shared about Baby Drew. We've shared about Brother Ross. We've shared about all these promises. Because God has given us abundance. And we're going to recover all. We're trying to figure everything out. Some solutions have no logical solution. You have to turn your mind off. You don't lean to your own understanding. You trust in the Lord. You know, it's okay to say, God, I, I don't see how this will work out. I, I, don't see, I don't see a way, but don't stop right there. You know, follow up with it, but I know you have a way. You knew the solution before I had the problem, so I'm not going to worry. I'm just going to live from a place of rest. David said in Psalms 110, in verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. A footstool is, again, something you put your feet on. It's another picture of rest. So, come, you know, when you meet challenges, you've got to come to a place of peace. You know, you have to do this by faith because the voice of the enemy will say, nothing's going to work out. You're not going to get well. This is going to be worse than ever. 
Your child will never come right. Your marriage, it'll never be fixed. Your family will never be restored. There's just too much strife. Tell that to that couple right there. They know better than that. Amen. I believe God's going to give them even not just a restored marriage, but abundance plus. Hallelujah. I tell you, I'd hold my hands out and my heart out for a blessing today. Amen. The enemy is going to do everything he can, though, to get you up. Amen. To get you to leave your seat of dominion. He knows when you're seated and you're in peace and you're trusting God, he don't stand a chance. But when you, because when you live from a place of rest, the forces of darkness can't stop you. Hallelujah. Remember this. God has the final say. And just like Joseph said to his brethren, what you meant for harm, God's turned it for my good that he might exalt me. And I'm saying that to Satan today. What you meant for my harm, God's going to turn it for my good that he might exalt the power of God that is manifest in this bride. But we don't fight our battles with human strength. Remember, it's not a flesh and blood affair. We're not fighting against, you know, uh, against um, flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and heavenly places. Because you can't win the battle with your own human strength. Satan will defeat you. It's not a flesh and blood battle, like I said. You do it from a place of rest. And when you do it, from a place of rest, simply taking dominion over Satan. By trusting in God's ability, that's when you truly overcome. Now, I want you to look at Hebrews 4 and verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor. One of the few times God tells us to work. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So labor, you know, labor to rest sounds like a contradiction, but it isn't. God knew it was going to take work for you to stay in this seat of dominion and power. You know, and like I said, it's easy, it's easy to live worried and discouraged by problem and, and make it a flesh and blood affair trying to figure out how you're going to whip this. How, what am I going to do now? I, you know, I'm going to try this now in my human ability, my human efforts. And Satan does everything he can to bring you down from that heavenly position where you're seated with Christ. You know why? Because he can whip you. When you fight as a flesh and blood affair, you're not able to whip the devil with human strength. It's going to be a battle for you to stay in your seat, to stay in your position. It's going to take effort. You're going to have to work to stay in your place of authority. Amen. You know, not work to go straighten that kid out. Not work to try to devise some scheme, a get-rich scheme to get out of debt. You know, but work by staying in your seat by him in a position of power and authority. Lord, I'm trusting in you. 
Amen. Lead me, guide me, show me. So we enter into his rest just like we fight the good fight of faith. We take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. We cast down every imagination because you're going to have them. When you're in battle, you're going to have them. He's the prince of atmospheres, and he's going to make the atmospheres dark. He's going to make it look impossible. But when you allow yourself to rest, you just quit worrying about how it's going to happen. This allows you to be open where God can direct you. You can hear his voice because your own thoughts and a lot of it's not crowding out the voice of God. A good example is this. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he cursed it. He walked on. He didn't worry about whether he was going to dry up and die. He knew what he said would come to pass. Is that right? He gave it no more thoughts. Amen. He let the word, somebody help me. He let the word do its work. He just spoke from his seed of authority and let the word work. And he says, I've not spoken of myself. The Father sent me. He gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. Is that right? That's the way sons of God live. The words that I speak to you are not of myself, but the Father dwelleth in me, and he doeth the work. The same Father that dwelt in Jesus dwells in you. Somebody help me preach. Amen. So, you know, that's what we got to do. We got to walk in the God kind of faith. We got to stand where there's no doubt, no fear, no worry, just rest. Amen. Now, again, you have a choice. I have a choice. I have a choice to disbelieve or believe. And I choose to believe. I can't I have a choose to doubt and fear and worry, or I have a choose I have a choice to rest in God's promise. Amen. Amen. Faith is a choice. And I choose to believe. Now, you have to be determined. You have to be disciplined. But if there's a war going on the inside and you're worried and frustrated and upset within yourself and patient that the promises tarried, remember sight and time are God's worst enemies when it comes to healing. When you're trying to force things to happen in your own strength rather than letting the Father within you do the work, you're just not tapping into the grace of God that's available. You're like the priest having to do sacrifices over and over again. But you're under a new covenant. You're to live under a new covenant. Christ has already defeated every enemy. Amen. The price has already been paid. You're not working to get victory. You are working from victory. When you know you've already won, there's a rest. You see, you don't live word. You don't lose sleep at night. You're wallowing on your pillow trying to figure it out. And like I said, I refuse to weep. Even though sometimes I want to weep, but weep, weep, weep and we'll weaken faith. And rather than cry, let's speak. Amen. I choose rather than cry to speak. And let's speak deliverance. Let's speak healing. Let's speak miracles. Let's speak restoration. Let's speak victory. Let's speak joy. Let's speak peace. Hallelujah. Let's speak the power of God under deliverance. 
know the outcome. God said, no weapon formed against me can prosper. Amen. He will always cause me to triumph. I know he said the thoughts I have of you, they are peace and not of evil, to bring you a hope and a future. Hallelujah. When the doctors give no hope, I have a hope. When the doctors give no future, I've got a future. Hallelujah. Now, it may not turn out every time the way you wanted it or when you wanted it. But God's ways are always better than our ways. And that's what trust is all about. When you live from a place of peace, you'll not only enjoy life's blessings more, but God will make happen what you couldn't make happen. I want to read you a quote from Brother Branham. And he said, I preached a sermon to my wife till about 12, 1 o'clock. Just telling her how glorious Jesus was. A text had come to my mind, to my heart. He just kept burning on me till I couldn't rest with it. And I said, honey, I want to just preach to you a while. And she roused up, and by grace, she listened. <laughs> Amen. I know what that is. My wife many times got a many a preview of what I was going to preach. But I, he said, I said, the Christian faith is based solidly upon rest. A Christian is not tossed about. A Christian isn't, doesn't run from place to place. A Christian doesn't fuss and fume and worry about things. A Christian rest, it's all over. Amen. It's all finished for the believer at Calvary. Amen. That's right. Oh, sickness comes and disappointment, but the Christian's at rest. Knowing this, that God's able to keep that which he has promised, knowing that, that no matter what the thing is or how it looks, there's neither sickness, sorrow, death, there's neither starvation or anything that can separate us from the love of God. We're at rest. Just let the old ship toss any way she wants to. The anchor holds. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Brother Ron Spencer, about four weeks ago, he was warned by a voice from God saying, a storm is coming. And he told me, Brother Tim, a storm is coming. I said, awesome. Bring it on. Because I know I didn't leave on this journey without Jesus in my boat. <laughs> Amen. And it will only be an opportunity to see the Jesus that's in me rise up to the occasion and rebuke devils in the storm. And after I come to land, there's a legion of devils to cast out into the pigs, and there will be deliverance of God's children. Hallelujah. Bring on the storm. Jesus is in my boat. Amen. Bring on the storm, the evening light tabernacle. Jesus is in this boat. And we'll wake Jesus that's been asleep within us. While we were telling testimonies and fussing doctrines and arguing this and that, let Jesus go to sleep in us. He'll rise in the power of his majesty and say to the storm. Peace be still. 
That's what I'm expecting. Amen. Now, if some of you went off without Jesus in your boat, and you're in the storm, it's the perfect opportunity for Jesus to come up in this storm and get in your boat. In the time of storms, glorious things happen. It's an opportunity to see the miraculous and see Jesus walking on the water, walking on your storms, coming right to you to get in your boat. And when he enters your boat, the winds and waves cease. And that when you see him walking on the water, it provokes faith to rise within his believing children to also walk on water. Hallelujah. Amen. There it struck. It'll strike out here again and again. You're going to see the glory of God. Hallelujah. The inner veil, Brother Brandon said, now I find what's about most Christians like, most, I hate to say that, but it's true. The most people that profess Christianity, they seem to have a hard time struggling to hold on. I believe it's because of a lack of correct teaching of the Bible. This is why I'm teaching on this. There's no such thing as holding on. He done the holding on. The whole Christian principle is built upon rest. Come unto me, all that you that labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Don't have to worry and struggle. You're just resting. That's all. Given rest, you enter, you enter peace. That's the whole thing's finished. Them he's called, he's justified. Those he justified, he's glorified. Amen. And inspiration, Brother Bradham tells again about talking to his wife. He said, the whole Christian principle based upon rest. I was burning my heart about resting. I said, why are we troubled? Let not your hearts be troubled. He said, we are just resting. Come, come to me and you shall find rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, find and rest. I said, when you come to Christ, once believe him, once accept him, enter into the rest. And then all things of the world will just seem to die away. You got to rest then. Rest your soul. And you enter in that state. And there you are. You're resting in with Christ. He again brings us out. And just bring it because there's some nuggets and all of them. The Christian experience is based solemnly and wholly upon rest. Come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden. I'll give you rest. We're tossed about with everything until you come to Christ. Then it's all finished. Resting in Christ perfectly, no matter what comes or goes. Nothing can touch us without it comes over the shepherd. He has to permit it. And he said, all things work together for the good of them that love God. And he has to come over the shepherd first. Said, I'm the door. No man can come in without me accepting it. Let me tell you, when God permits anything, it's working out to your good. So would sickness be the same thing? Certainly that God might heal you to show a great testimony and give you a little something to move on for. All things work together for good. Notice how beautiful the shepherd laid himself at the door to be the go-between or the block. I thought then in my text of Job, when Job tested and tried, 
how that he knew he was righteous because he had offered the sacrifice. The burnt offering stood firm. He stood firm of it. No matter how much his church members said, Job, you're wrong. You're a secret sinner. Job knew he had confessed his sins and had offered God the appropriate offer, the one that God had required, the burnt sacrifice. He knew he was righteous in God's sight. Oh, if Christians who now will fall away and run back or run out or run in and run out, and then you think, well, I can't make it. You couldn't make it in the first place. It ain't your place to make it. God's already made it for you in Christ. The price is fully paid. The only thing you have to do is accept God's provided way and stand on it. Now, no matter what takes place, don't move, rest. The shepherd's watching over his sheep. He knows the sparrow. How much does he know about you? Remember the story of Paul Rader where Brother Branham would tell you give that illustration so many times of where that his boss told him as he was actually dying with, with black water fever and had a high fever and delirium and whatever, and he dreamed that he was out trying to, you know, as a woodsman trying to cut down a big log. He said, you know, I cut it down and I limbed it and I got it sized and everything and I tried to pick it up and carry it to the camp where it was to go and it was just too big. It was too big. I couldn't pick it up. I couldn't budget. And I was struggling and I was struggling and trying and I would lift and try and I'd roll it and this. I couldn't do it. And he said, then I, then I heard a voice said, Paul, what are you doing? And he said, I saw it was the Lord. And he said, and he said I, I'm trying to get this log down to camp and I can't do it. And he said, well, Paul, you're trying on your own. I want you to just roll that thing over into the, the water there, into the stream. And then what you do is get on that log and ride it to the camp. And Paul Rader got on that log, he said, in that, in that dream, and he said he went riding down that river screaming, I'm riding on it, I'm riding on it, I'm riding on it, till he came to the camp. We're struggling, we're trying to move something, we're trying to make this happen, we're trying to make this work, we're struggling with it ourselves, and God said, roll it over into the river of the Holy Ghost, get on it and ride on it, ride on it, rest. Don't work at it no more, rest. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you in there to the end of the world. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Why don't we ride on that promise, knowing where we stand in this day and hour. Hallelujah. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Put your foot up. Amen. Put your foot on a footstool until he makes every enemy your footstool. Come on. Look over here. The heavens is working on your behalf. Michael and his angels fell. Amen. Hallelujah. Daniel was there praying for revelation. And Michael and Gabriel fought against the prince of Persia and brought to them the revelation. You're struggling. You're weary. You're you're trying, you're working hard. Start resting. Put your mind, you're at ease. 
quit trying to figure it out. Quit leaning to your own understanding. It ain't even a logical answer. Alana, your, your healing was not a logical healing. was not a logical answer. Amen. Even when she was told, I found nothing, it took a moment to digest it all. It wasn't logical. Come on. It defied logic. There one moment, go the next, it was medicine. Doctor said, medicine would have killed you. Medicine wasn't going to heal her, it was going to kill her. Amen. He knew it. Maybe extend her life a little longer. Maybe just a little bit. But she would die from the medicine before she would the cancer. God have mercy. Defied logic. It defied logic to get up out of their seat and rejoice running around this building shouting. It defied logic for me to declare her enemy was dead. Amen. It defied logic for me at the same time to lay my hands and pray here at this pulpit over prayer cloth and send it over to South Africa to a little brother there whose wife was in the third stages of rectal cancer. And he hadn't had a job in two years and couldn't find work and was in a desperate situation. And he gets the prayer cloth. His wife is healed and he gets a job. What is it? God restoring all. It wasn't logical when the doctor said, are you with me? Amen. That, that here, Sister Mariah would never grow hair. It was an autoimmune disease and she'd never get over it. Wasn't logical then to believe for healing, but we believe despite logic. Amen. What logic to bring three pins in her hand and say, I'm going to believe the word of promise. I'm going to wear these. Come on. It wasn't logic. Amen. It defied logic. But she was looking to the unseen, to a promise of God. Amen. And the same God defied everything of logic and put hair back on her head and it's still there to that day. It wasn't logic five years ago when my wife lay with a brain bleed and was unable to dress herself and bathe herself and sitting in the bed and, and couldn't see on her side there. Her peripheral vision was gone. It wasn't logic for her to turn up and raise her hand and begin to worship God. And at that moment, the angel of God comes sweeping over her bed and a little baby who never had walked and couldn't pull up, 18 months of years old, got up and ran around my house while vision returned to her eyes. That defied logic. But when Karen started resting, God started working. When she started praising, heaven started moving. I'll tell you, it's time that we, oh, don't you come down with me, some gloomy spirit. Don't you have a pity party for me? I don't want a pity party. I say, let's have a party. Let's rejoice. Let's shout. Let's say God is God. He's God over every situation. He's my God, and he deserves my worship. Him this morning from the depths of your heart. Amen. You're positioned with a party. Tell the devil, take his hands off of God's property. Tell the devil, he can't have your child. He can't have your son, your daughter. He cannot have your life. You are a child of the most high God. Dispatch some angels. 
dispatch the angels. Michael and his angels fight against Lucifer and his angels. And Lucifer prevailed not. And the accuser was cast down. He's been whispering and you're here. God's about to cast him down. Cast him down. Cast out reason. Cast out imagination. Cast out every high thing that exalts itself against the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're seated with him in power and authority. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Down from this world. 